Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the church behind the program, how to contact us, and learn more about the podcast when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 called Solid and Sounding Forth God's Word. We are in 1 Thessalonians. We are moving into a new series called Our Crown at His Coming. And it interests me that of the eight chapters that we're going to cover in First and Second Thessalonians, there is in every chapter except one, uh, by my count, a reference to the return of Jesus Christ. And that was written to a group in A.D. 51, so about 20 years after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if it was written to them as in having a sense of urgency in the first century, how much more should we have a sense of urgency for the return of Jesus Christ? When I first became a Christian uh, in the late 80s, I was working in a printing company and I was a feeder on a big printing press. So basically you're the grunt and you put paper on the back of this big machine. And I would do that for eight, you know, nine, 10 hours a day. And I was learning the business and learning the trade. And I was hearing about Jesus and kind of growing in my faith. And uh, one night I had a dream that I would almost describe as a vision. I was in the printing plant. I was loading paper on the back of this press. It was chugging along. And all of a sudden, there was a just kind of a stop. And I looked up, and I saw the Lord Jesus coming in the clouds. And as he's depicted in Revelation 19, coming on a white horse. And that's the imagery in Revelation 19. I remember falling to my knees and just crying out, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then the dream just ended. But it was one of those dreams that will never leave me. Because there is a day that is coming when Jesus Christ will break into this world and the king will return. Now, those of you who are Lord of the Rings fans uh, will remember the scene. I can't remember which movie it was, if it was The Two Towers or The Return of the King. But there's a battle scene going on where it would seem like the, uh, you know, the ugliest stuff that hell could unleash is coming at the city. I can't remember the name of the city, if it's Ministereth or whatever, whatever it was. That's not the most important thing. But it's just an ugly, every ugly creature, demonic thing that you could imagine is assaulting the city. And it looks like all hope is lost. But Gandalf has said that he's coming. And I think he says, look for my coming on the fifth day at the first light. And the city is just being barraged. It's being destroyed. And it looks like there's nothing that's going to save it. And all of a sudden... Gandalf appears with this huge army, and he's up on a hill. And some of you remember this scene that the, the orcs and whatever turn around, and Gandalf comes charging down the hill, and the light of the sun appears, and the ugliest, darkest, most sinister creatures go, ah! And they basically just get run over by this army being led by Gandalf. And I think what was trying to be captured there Uh, was the return of the King Jesus. When the assault of hell has come against, you know, it looks like the battle is lost and all of a sudden the King returns. We We have some of that imagery captured in that particular scene. And while that is a book and then a movie, and while I could talk about a dream, uh, really what I'm talking about is anchored in the Word of God. And First and Second Thessalonians as two letters, which would be identified, if you're taking notes, as church epistles, next to the book of Revelation have the most information about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Chapter 1, we have a title, 
solid and sounding forth God's word because that's what the church in Thessalonica was. They were a solid church sounding forth the word of God. So I hope you have your Bible open or you have the book pulled up on a device. I would ask you if you're physically able to stand, let's read the 10 verses in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, then we'll pray and we'll get into it. 1 Thessalonians 1.1. Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved by God, beloved by God, his choice of you. For our gospel, verse 5, did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. May the Lord write his word upon our hearts. You may be seated. Would you open your heart in prayer for a moment with me? Father, thank you so much for your living word. It's such an encouragement to us. It stirs us. It moves us. It anchors us to what's really important. We are living in the light of the return of Jesus Christ. But just like the Thessalonian church, we don't know what that, when that day will come. We know that day will arrive. We know that we are one day closer every day we wake up and have breath in our lungs. But we also know that that day is on your calendar you have fixed the day. It is our job to occupy until you come. And so many generations before us, Lord, have seen hard, troubling times like we have seen in the last several months and asked, is this the end of the world? And we just don't know. But we need to uh, take advantage of the time, make the most of every opportunity, make disciples, sound forth the gospel, because we live in a broken and hopeless world. But we have a hope a hope that is not only just for this life, abundant life now, but it's a hope for all eternity. And our king is coming. And our king will reign forever and ever. And the Bible says that we will reign with him. And we are so grateful for that reality. I pray that you would give us hope in the midst of so much tribulation going on around us. Anchor us to the hope of our souls in Jesus Christ. And be glorified, Lord, as we get into your word. May your word go deep into our souls. May it Produce the uh, results that you want it to produce, the fruit that you want it to produce, and our spheres of influence and beyond. Uh, if you want to widen them, if you want our footprint to go further, uh, may you be glorified in us being active and living in the light of your return. In Jesus' name, I pray if you agree, would you say amen. 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 The author of 1 Thessalonians is the Apostle Paul. He wrote it on his second missionary journey. Um, this is probably the second earliest book we have in terms of letters of the New Testament. Sometimes you guys have heard the word epistle. An epistle is simply just a letter, a letter written to a church. So this is 
called a church epistle because it's written to the Thessalonian church. Sometimes uh, uh, letters are categorized as pastoral epistles, like First and Second Timothy and Titus, because they have a direct, specific purpose to build up a pastor, for example, to tell him how to lead a church. Here, 1 Thessalonians is a church epistle because it's written to the wider body to encourage them to make disciples and to live in the light of the second coming of Jesus Christ. I mentioned to you, every chapter except one by my count has a reference to the second coming of Jesus or his return. Take a look with me just in rapid fire. 110, chapter 1, verse 10, where we just read, it says to wait for his son from heaven. So Jesus is coming down, whom he raised from the dead. That is Jesus who rescues us from the wrath to come. Let's look at a key verse, 219. This is actually what I would call a theme verse. For who is our hope or, or joy or crown or of exaltation? Is it not even you, the Thessalonians, in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? Take a look at 313. Kind of a benediction here. So that he may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus, notice, with all his saints. Some believe that that could be with all his angels. The word could be translated either way. The famous rapture passage in 4.16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. This is why we know, for those of you who wrestle with some eschatological or end times views, for example, there's a view called all millennialism and sometimes all millennialism millennialism, easy for me to say, says that basically much of this, the uh, revelation passages and, and some of the language about the coming of the Lord may speak to the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70. Well, some of it may apply at least in part there, but I will tell you this, 1 Thessalonians 4 says that when this event happens, the dead in Christ will rise first. That did not happen at the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70. This is a second coming reference to the return of Jesus Christ. And it says that he's going to return. There's going to be a trumpet. The dead in Christ will rise first. And here's your rapture. Then we who are alive and remain or survive will be caught up. There's your rapture together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Flip over to chapter 5, verse 23. It says... 523, again, another prayer or benediction. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. May your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every time you see that word coming, it's a Greek word called parousia. I'm going to spell it for those of you who are interested. P-A-R-O-U-S-I-A. Some people say parousia. Others pronounce it parousia. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Please take the time to visit our website, walkintruth.com, to learn more about the program. And if you've been listening for some time and appreciate what the program has to offer, would you please consider giving a small donation? Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we're able to broadcast on this station and do the podcast because of that support. That's also how we're able to do our 633 apologetic events for free. If you're a new listener, please don't give. We're just blessed that you're listening. But if you've been listening for a while, can you give $5 today? We believe that the Lord is faithful and your $5 donation will go a long way to help us keep this ministry going. You can give your $5 donation when you visit walkintruth.com and click on donate. That's walkintruth.com and click on donate. 
Join Pastor Michael Lance on Sunday, September 27th for a discussion about suicide with Stand to Reason's John Noyes. Suicide's a leading cause of death in the United States. It's an issue that's touched us all in one way or another. Whether it's something you wrestle with personally or it's a friend who's struggling, it's at the center of our cultural conversation. Join me as I seek to give you some tools to address suicide in your own life or in the life of someone who's close to you. We're going to do this by answering three questions. Why is this important? Why do people contemplate suicide? And what can we do about it? The 633 event, Thinking Biblically About Suicide, is Sunday, September 27th. For details, call 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Flip over to chapter 5, verse 23. It says, 523, again, another prayer or benediction. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. May your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every time you see that word coming, it's a Greek word called parousia. I'm going to spell it for those of you who are interested. P-A-R-O-U-S-I-A. Some people say parousia. Others pronounce it parousia. This word in Greek is an important word for you to know. Whenever you see the word coming in English as a reference to the return of Jesus, it's the word parousia. P-A-R-O-U-S-I-A. It speaks of an arrival, like the arrival of a king and his active presence. So that when Jesus Christ comes, he's going to be uh, ruling and reigning. He's going to pour out his judgment, of course. And then he's going to rule and reign, ultimately, in what we call the millennial reign of Christ. In 110, uh, I'm sorry, in the next chapter, uh, the next book, I should say, 2 Thessalonians, just keep turning to your right. I just want to give you a preview of these second coming themes. This is 1.10. It's talking about the penalty of eternal destruction in 2 Thessalonians 1.9 when uh, God pours out his wrath. When he comes, look at verse 10, to be glorified in his saints on that day and to be marveled at among all who have believed for our testimony to you was believed and that is the coming of Jesus Christ. And then finally, look at 2.8. So the next chapter over, 2.8 says, Then the lawless one, most believe the Antichrist here, will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay, 2.8, with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. There's that word again, parousia. So you can see, if you go back to 1 Thessalonians 1, some of these major themes of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Written to this church in Thessalonica, or this church of the Thessalonians. Now, Thessalonica is a modern city. I did a little quick research on it. It has today about a million people. It's on the coast of Greece, and today it's known as Thessaloniki. It's a place that you could visit even today. And back in the day, the population of this particular location was about 200,000 people. So it was a little bigger than you could say the city that we live in, which I think is about 150, 60,000 people now. So there were a lot of people in this city, and Paul arrived in this city to preach to it as had become his custom. I want to show you how this happened in the book of Acts. So this is Acts 17. Acts 17, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, 
Acts. Oftentimes when you're reading an epistle or a letter written to a church, you can find how it all went down, how the church was planted. How did it come about? How did these people ever hear the gospel in a place like Thessalonica in Greece? You know, how did these people hear about the return of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, if you turn to the book of Acts chapter 17, here's the story. This comes on the heels of Paul and Silas being in a Philippian jail, being mistreated. They had to travel uh, a ways to get now to the next city. It says, now when they had traveled through Amphipolis, Acts 17.1 and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. There's our city where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Now, Paul, being a Jewish rabbi, would look for this as an entry point to uh, begin to share the message. And he said that the, the gospel is for the Jew and for the Gentile. And Paul's custom was to try to start with his people. As a traveling rabbi, he would typically have an opportunity in a synagogue in a city to share. There was an open time of sharing. And as a rabbi, he had some authority. And so he would have a chance to stand up and share. And each time Paul would do this in a city, he would begin to share the gospel with his fellow kinsmen, that is Jewish people, in the context of a synagogue. And I would just say to you that there's an application here for us in the modern day that we have a sphere of influence where we can relate to people who are in our similar situation. You know, Southern California living. Maybe they live at your company. Maybe you have a a similar background. Maybe you live on the same street. Maybe you work out at the same gym. Maybe you go to the same school. Whatever it may be. Maybe you play on a team or coach. And you're in a sphere where you have a chance to influence people with the gospel. And I would ask you, do you do that? Do you look for places to fish, to throw out the hook of the gospel so that people can be saved? Well, this was Paul's custom, verse 2, according to his custom, and I hope that you and I have one as well. He went to them, into the synagogue, and for three Sabbaths, so he was there for at least three weeks, reasoned with them from the scripture. Now, the word reason there has the implication of dialogue. So it could be that they went back and forth, that Paul would uh, put something out and they would ask questions. And notice the dialogue was from the scriptures. It was anchored in the Bible. He was explaining and giving evidence. He would probably take a prophecy here, Psalm 22, Isaiah 53, something from the Old Testament that the Jews believed was uh, inspired scripture. Psalm 22, he could even go into the first five books of Moses. He could go to Genesis 3. He could go to other places where there's some shadows of the coming Messiah, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. And he began to lay a prophecy out and explain or put it alongside a fulfillment. So it's something like this. This is what the language says. He would say something like this. Hey, hey, do you guys remember Isaiah 53 where it talks about the coming of this one who would bear our sins and our transgressions? Well, when Jesus died on the cross and he would lay aside, lay aside the fulfillment next to the prophecy and he had people's attention and he would begin to share with the Jews in that particular location, this, is, this Jesus fulfills that prophecy. Some years ago, I was in my office and there was a gal that came by and she was from Jerusalem, from Israel, and she was selling paintings. She was an exchange student here in the United States. And she said, hey, would you be willing to look at my paintings? And I said, yes, I'll look at your paintings if you'll listen to what I have to say. And so she showed me her paintings. They were very beautiful. She was a young lady, probably in college. And uh, she showed me them, and I appreciated her artwork. And then I explained the gospel of Jesus Christ to her. And I started with the Old Testament because I knew she was familiar with it. 
And I went to Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22, and I just began to say, this one that these prophecies are about has arrived in the person of Jesus Christ. And she listened, and she did not give her life to Jesus right there, but she heard the gospel. Some years ago, the first time we went to Israel, I was in Jerusalem at a pizza parlor because I find pizza parlors wherever I travel. And we were there, and there was a Jewish man having lunch, and we struck up a conversation, and we began to share the gospel with him in this pizza parlor in Jerusalem. And over a slice of pizza, I began to tell him what the Bible says about the gospel and how Jesus died in our place and saves us from the wrath to come. And each time I would share about grace, he would say, so what you're saying to me is I have to do this, this, and this. And I'd say, no, the price has already been paid. So what you're saying to me is I have to do this. No, the price has already been paid in full. So what you're saying is if I would just, no, no. About the fifth time we went back and forth, this guy literally in the midst of a pizza parlor in Jerusalem said, do you see what they've done to me? We're like, dude, is it a spicy pepperoni or what? No, there's no pepperoni there. At least it's not pork. But anyway, here's the point. The point is he had a light bulb moment where I was trying to explain grace to him and he kept going back to works or to the law. And he agreed that he would go home and read the New Testament. Praise the Lord. I don't know what happened. You've been listening to Solid and Sounding Forth God's Word, Part 1 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Thessalonians Chapter 1. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program or any of Pastor Michael's previous teachings, Walk in Truth is available for free on just about every podcast app available. You can listen on our Living Truth app or on your favorite podcast app like iPodcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, you know the rest. Hey, we appreciate you subscribing and following Walk in Truth, so... Remember, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, solid is such a good word. You know, when you think about it, you want to be solid, man. Solid in terms of your shape. You, know, you want to be in shape. You want to be solid in terms of, you know, your character and your dependability and your reputation. It's a good word. And this was the word applied we applied to the Thessalonian congregation. They were solid. That's what Paul said about them and sounding forth the word of God. Now, in order to sound forth the word of God, does that mean I got to buy a soapbox or get a megaphone? Well, for some people, it may mean that. But for most of us, what it's going to mean is that we have a solid reputation that earns the right to be heard, that people look at us and say, hey, that person is not perfect, but they're legit. They're unashamed to be called a Christian. They're consistent. I would argue that you're going to get more opportunities probably by that than just about anything else. You're going to get some relationships that begin to ask you, what makes you tick? Why do you make the decisions you do? Why are you so committed to church or to your marriage or to giving or to moral purity? Well, all of that is really captured in this idea of the Thessalonian church. And I pray in the church of Jesus Christ today, in your fellowship and in mine. Well, hey, I want to remind you that we have a 633 event coming up on the topic of suicide. We've been telling you about Jonathan Noyes from Stand to Reason. He's going to come out to Living Truth Christian Fellowship, where I serve as senior pastor. We're in the city of Corona right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. Now, we do these free 633 events about every other month, 
on an apologetic topic that we might not typically deal with on a Sunday morning. And this topic is very timely. It's on suicide. There's been a spike in suicides, more people, more young people considering suicide. And I would just say to you, if that's you, please, please don't harm yourself. Instead, why don't you come on out this night and learn what the Bible says about this topic and learn about the hope that you have. And if you have a friend who would need to hear this, invite them along. This is going to happen September the 27th, 6.33 in the evening, Sunday evening at Living Truth, right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. We're at 1009 Arsenal Way. You can think of the armor of God. 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona, Living Truth. Now, if you can't make it, the event will be live streamed on our YouTube channel, and you can find out information on the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store or at walkintruth.com. Now, one more thing. I also want to invite you to our Wednesday night service. We hold this at Living Truth in Corona as well. Right now, we're going through the Psalms, the beautiful book of Psalms, Medicine for the Soul. And uh, I'm teaching through the Shepherd Psalms right now, and I would love for you to join us. 7 p.m. midweek service at Living Truth in Corona, right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue, 1009 Arsenal Way. Hey, if you can't make it, we do live stream this Wednesday night service, but we'd love to have you in person. Get info and directions at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. And we will hopefully see you here. God bless you and keep you. And may his beautiful face shine upon you. May he give you shalom, peace. God bless. We'll see you tomorrow. Now, come back tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Thessalonians chapter one called solid and sounding forth God's word. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.